All right, let's read a couple of your emails. I do appreciate the ones that you sent to the RicoB at gmail.com. We'll start off with Rob from Belmar. Evan. All right, first he kisses my ass. I'm going to leave that part out because that's like me reading someone saying complimentary stuff is almost like, I don't know, there's something about it that turns me off. Do you understand what I'm saying, Hoff? Yeah, like I, I'm not very complimenting myself on a regular basis, so when someone else does it, I don't know how to take it. Just move on. <laughs> no, I, I thank you. Like, I appreciate the kind words, Rob, but me repeating it and reading it is almost like I need my ego stroked, and I don't. So, okay. uh, Rob, I saw what you said, and I really, really appreciate it. Just reading it to the audience is like, <laughs> nobody cares. No one wants to hear Rob say he loves me or he hates me. It doesn't matter. Uh, I have to respectfully challenge you on your position on Danny Berger's vocal box. <laughs> I guess he gave him a nickname. <laughs> on a recent Rico, you dismissed the idea of adding Nelson Cruz as essentially being an empty uniform. He's old, not the hitter he used to be, and offers no position versatility. Why I, why I agree with you there, I think Vogelback falls in the same category. He's a young, he's a younger, fatter Nelson Cruz. <laughs> he has some pop against righties only, and Buck would be better off fielding only seven defensive players rather than asking Vogie to play any sort of defense. The only position he could realistically play is manned by arguably our best offensive player who very rarely misses any time. You frequently mention how he mashes righties, but I don't think it's anywhere near good enough to justify a roster spot. Okay. He also had a suggestion for a podcast, which is a good one, and I've heard this from numerous people. I'd love to hear an almost Mets podcast acquisitions that were almost made that would have had the most profound impact on the team, both positive and negative, i.e. almost signing A-Rod, almost trading for Griffey, almost signing Trevor Bauer. Very good idea. I do like that one. And I've gotten a few emails suggesting that. I think because in the past, like I think when we were talking about the um, the Hall of Fame ballot, the previous Hall of Fame ballot, and we were talking about Alan, uh, Rafael Palmero. We brought up, which I wasn't even aware of, how close they were to making a trade for Alomar and Palmero back in 1998. So it does lead you to think, boy, there's so many examples of that. Anyhow, let me get to the Vogelbach point. You're right that Daniel Vogelbach doesn't have any position versatility. I mean, you're 100% right about that. I can't argue. The reason I'm dead set against adding a guy like Nelson Cruz is because that's two guys with no position versatility. Like, I accept that Daniel Vogelbach is on this team and has that issue. Like, it is a legitimate thing. You're right about it. He can only play first base. He's not good at first base. There are going to be days you're going to sit Pete. So, that's natural, especially having a DH. So, I'm good with Vogelbach once every two weeks playing first base, even though he isn't great. You kind of live with it because it's not a lot. But again, he mashes righties. I know you mentioned that and kind of dismissed it, but he does. Like, he had 18 home runs in 314 at-bats. He had an 880 OPS, and 880 OPS is an elite-level number. Like, it's really good. Now, he's non-competitive against lefties. I totally get that. And so, lefty comes into a game, seventh inning, Vogelbach's the DH. You have to have an alternative, which is why 
it's so important to find that right-handed bat. Because I don't want to run back Darren Ruff, do you? No. None of us do. But, yeah, he has no position versatility. But that's why I don't want another guy without position versatility. So could I fight for, who was the email from? Robin Belmar. Robin Belmar. Listen, I'm on your side 100%. First of all, let's just take this for what it is. Darren Ruff by himself was going to make, what, $3 million? And then there's pennies right here we're talking about compared to, uh, you know, Francis Lindor and whatnot. But Nelson Cruz signed a $1 million deal. Daniel Vogelback's 1.5 combined. They they make less than what Darren Ruff makes, if I'm correct. I think Darren Ruff makes $3 million. Regardless, the point is, is you have two guys that I know – that, Nelson Cruz, that's only thing he's good for is power. I know he's towards the t- very tail end of his career, but my God, if you're got that from the right, the, the left side and Vogelback, Cruz has that from the right side. That's your tandem. You don't need but, you don't need anything else other than you yeah, have okay, but, the other guys there. There's t- tons of flexibility with Guillerme on the bench. With Con- if you're gonna make a trade for Santa there, if that's a possibility. Kind of floats around like you have flexibility in all those other areas. You don't need them. To, you don't need everyone to be flexible. You need bats. no, no. But 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 having two guys on your team, two guys on your team that can't play a freaking position—that's a problem. And here's the thing, though, and reality. And I, I'm I, again. This is further down. Vocal back might not be around much longer on this team anyway. The reality is, if he struggles early on, they may just DFA him. I mean that's he's he's not very expensive. So and I've seen him do this plenty of times. I mean he went through to the Pirates organ. I think the Pirates might have signed yeah, well, him. Hold on, you got you guys. You guys have this weird thing with Vogelbach. He has an 880 OPS against righties. Like he's a good player when you put him in the right position to succeed. Like he hits right-handed pitching. I'm not just saying it because I want it to be true. I'm saying it because that's what he does. He's not getting DFA'd. Uh, so how? Why did he get DFA'd from other teams? Prior, I'm talking about now. I'm I talking understand. about this year. I'm talking but about last did year. Did he hit 30 home runs one season? Daniel Vogelbach? I think he had one season, or was it 20 home runs? Yeah. Uh, most home runs he ever hit in a season was 30 in 2019. Right. He also hit 208 with a 780 OPS that season. <laughs> so he was That's... really all or nothing that season. Listen, I understand there's upside, especially he's so cheap. He's still got another year of arbitration. I I, I get it, but. There's a possibility that he just doesn't fit this team. He really he. Uh, if you could get one guy to do what we want out of, I know Cruz isn't there, but Ruff and Vogelback, that's going to solve all our problems. Well, look, if there was one guy that could fill that role, absolutely, and there are young guys who could take it. I mean, Brett Beatty could end up being the DH, especially if Escobar or Guillerme play a lot of third base. So there's a lot of possibilities where Vogelback may not play every day if other guys are outperforming him. But I don't like the idea. Because think about it. How many guys do you have on your bench on a normal basis with a 26-man roster? The answer to that is probably five. Do you want two guys that can't play the field, essentially? Plus a backup catcher. Plus plus, uh, Guillerme. And we're we're talking about the Mets carrying three catchers. We talked about that. Alvarez, Narvaez, and Nito. So you're talking third catcher plus two guys who can't play the field? Anyhow. Uh We got one guy who's going to rip me and one guy who's going to rip you. Let's start with the guy who's ripping me. Jared. Hi, Evan. My name is Jared. I'm 24 years old and a Mets fan. I enjoy your Rico and listen every episode. See, he's complimenting here because then he wants to hammer me. So let's get to the hammer. I thought you don't read compliments, by the way. 
Yeah, I, the only reason I'm doing this is because it's too hammering me. So when you do a compliment and then turn it around, like, that's fine. However, I have one request to make, and it relates to how you pronounce the name of one of my favorite players, Luis Guillerme. I'm not sure if you're aware, but you pronounce Mr. Guillerme's name as Guillerme. All announcers and commentators I've heard pronounce his name as Guillerme. The Mets pronunciation guide lists it as Guillerme as well. If you could make this adjustment, it would make my Rico listening experience that much better. Thanks, and LFGM. All right, so here's the deal, Jared. I promise you, I'm not trying to be a dick here. I think I have a mental block. I really do. And anytime I'm pronouncing something wrong and someone comes to correct me, I appreciate it. Like, I'm not mad about it. But then I have this tick in my head. As soon as I'm corrected, I forget what the correct pronunciation is. I'll give you a few examples in my past. Damon Amendalara. You know that guy, DA? Great guy, great host. I filled in with him once five years ago. And I'm like, ah, oh, it's Evan Roberts, Damon Amendalara here on the fan. And at one point at 5.30, he looks at me and says, Evan, I feel bad saying this, but you're saying my name wrong. And ever since he corrected me, I can't remember how to pronounce it. Is it Amendalora? Is it Amendalara? It's like a mental block. He could tell me every day and I'm going to forget. And it's nothing against him. It's that as soon as I'm corrected, my mind starts playing tricks with me. Example number two. Remember former pitcher Logan Verrett or Logan Verrett? I don't know how to pronounce it. Is it Verrett? Is it Verrett? I don't know. Our old boss, Eric Spitz, used to correct me all the time. And the first time he corrected me, I said, I'm done. Now I don't know. So here's the problem. I just read that email from Jared. I'm no longer looking at my tablet. Is it Guillerme or is it Guillerme or Guillerme? I don't know. Hoff, how do you pronounce his name? Uh, Luis Guillerme. I think that's what he said. I have no idea though either. And I do this all the time, but we all do. And we all have these hiccups and it's okay. We c- it's not the end of the world. Get over. What, what is people a fascination of us nailing everything perfect every no, time? So We're not perfect. Being- You're being wrong, Pete. I want to be perfect. I want to make Jared happy. The guy's downloading the podcast. He wants to smile. So I need a mnemonic device in my head that's going to remind me the correct way to pronounce his name. Or, right? That's the key word is or, gi, or, may. Is it gi or may? There you go. I think I got it now. We should we should call up Tony Page, have him come on and and pronounce Travis Darno for everybody. Did he used to call him (laughs) Travis Darnold? Or was it the Sam Darno? One of the one of the other he, he confused something. <laughs> I forget which one. All right, here's David Arenas. He wants to rip you. Oh. I'm a New Yorker, born and raised, lived out there for the first 20 years of my life. I've lived in Minnesota for 22 out of the last 23 years now. Okay, love the Mets, diehard fan, blah, blah, blah. Pete, I have a bone to pick with you in your last podcast. Don't bash Minnesota because they signed Correa. To be honest, the fans are lukewarm at best at the signing because they feel the poll odds are similar to what the Wilpons were when they were our owners. They don't spend on pitching, then they all know that they're never going to get over the hump until they get a better pitching staff. That's all I had to say about, about them. Don't bash their fan base. They know as much as we do. How about that? 
a pro Minnesota guy. You want to apologize to Minneapolis? No, I mean that was pretty soft. I I appreciate him coming at me so hard with that email. But not listen. I wasn't bashing. I was just saying he's gonna have to sit around in July with the uh, long sleeve sh- shirts on. That's all. <laughs> that, that that's all I'm saying. I, listen, I respect all organizational like fans that are that are. You, I, I look at fan bases because we've been there before. So it's not right for me to sit there and bash other fan bases at all. I can't do that. Like, I look at whether it's the Twins, whether it's the Royals, even though they won a World Series. You look at all these. It's We've been through the ringer with our team. So it's a different world we live in now. I'm excited by it. I, I am getting a little greedy at times. We're talking about two years from now with what free agents we're going to get. We can't right think about the now right now. But I, I'm not sitting there and killing the fan base. But I can crush the player and his hopes and dreams of what his career is going to look like. And also deep down, the reason Pete Hoffman hates the Minnesota Twins is because you guys wilt at the side of the New York Yankees. If you could have beaten them once whether it was 2009 or it was 2004 or it was 2003 or it was 2019, that would have been appreciated. 100%. But instead, every time you see the Yankees, you will. And finally, Gerald Caffrey. Evan, when you were talking about how you heard the Carlos Correa news, you called somebody a Yankee douche. And then abruptly, the podcast caught to an ad for the Mike Francesa podcast. This has to be a jab. No? No! It's not a jab. You think I know when the commercials are going to play? I have no idea. So how to make something clear. I was not referring to my former co-worker and all-around great guy, Mike Francesa, as a Yankee douche. That was not the case and not true. Pete, you offer you get better off offer the audience an apology. That I di- listen, I did <laughs> nothing wrong. I didn't even real I have we have no idea what ads are playing. So the fact that that's the it's a major coincidence, hilarious, but major coincidence. I had no idea that we even running for Mike Francis ads. <laughs> Thank you for uh, emailing us and of course you can the gmail.com. A lot of podcasts coming up over the next few months that I'm very excited about. We will do a Carlos Beltran retrospective and where his place should be in Mets history as he is certainly on the Hall of Fame ballot. We'll talk about the Hall of Fame ballot and how those guys have histories with the New York Mets. We'll have our Max Scherzer-Justin Verlander debate. And out of the request of a few emailers, the Could Have Been Mets podcast. But one idea I had. And I'll take suggestions uh, via email to RicoB at gmail.com or I guess you could leave a comment on the podcast. I was thinking about doing a rewatch during this long off season. And what I mean by that is picking a game in Met history that's available on YouTube. And there's a lot of games available on YouTube. Maybe it's a game from the last 20 years. Maybe it's even longer ago than that. Maybe it's the 70s. Maybe it's the 80s. Maybe it's the 90s. Maybe it's a game we did watch just a long time ago and re-watching the game, and then we could all sit here and analyze it as if it just happened. The problem I'm having, while I think it would be fun to do, I can't decide, A, if it should be a win. Should we just watch a great Met victory and be happy? Should it be an all-time loss? And then what era it should be from? So if you have a suggestion on that, a strong opinion on that, Certainly let me know by leaving a comment where you can leave comments for the podcast or by emailing us at the RicoB at gmail.com. We'll do that at some point during this offseason as we start to creep closer and closer to spring training and then spring training games. And then before you know it, 
opening day. Appreciate you listening. You can check Pete out with Tiki and Tini during the week on the Midday Show and obviously me and Craig, 2 o'clock in the afternoons on WFAN. Thank you for downloading and listening to Rico Bronia. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Bronia podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times.